So, no, but Paul, if you think that swimming with dolphins is expensive... What are you talking about? You should try swimming with sharks. <laughs> Cost me an arm and a leg. <laughs> we can't use that. It's terrible. Um, hello and welcome to Sarah and Paul's Do Do Social Work. Hello, how are you doing? I'm uh, well, thank you. How are you, Paul? Yeah, 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 I'm good. I'm just really mindful that we've got someone here with us. Don't know if you knew that, that you're our first ever guest, uh, Rippon, but... Thank you, Paul. I feel very privileged, actually, um, taking part. <laughs> um, so let me know if I can help. Thank you. I, I just hold off on, to the, on that privilege until the, till the end, and then, <laughs> and then we'll ask you again. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the cost of living crisis. So, Sarah, you've kind of talked about this quite a lot um, in your poo-poos, haven't you? I have. Well, I've named it because, of course, it's something that's affecting us all right now and you can't listen to the news without not hearing about the cost of living crisis and I think it's creating national fear and anxiety and therefore I think it's kind of really well timed that we address and talk about it today. We have our special guest so Rippon would you like to kind of introduce yourself? Yeah my name is Rippon, uh, Rippon Ray. I guess I've been in the debt advice sector for over 10 years. I say I guess at an early stage, I started when, you know, I myself was unemployed, having problems financially, wasn't sure where things were going. I worked for a page lender for like, I don't know, eight months. And I, believe it or not, I hated it. I hated it so much. Why, why did you hate it? The page lender was ruthless. He was, he right. was aggressively lending money without following due process. There, you know, there are system in place, a case management system in place where we can actually get the money out of a debtor's bank account without the permission. And oh. he used to do that quite a lot. And knowing that they're already struggling, it just it did not feel right. What was interesting for me is that debtors were actually knocking on uh, the payday lender's door saying, if you don't come out, I'll kick, I'll break the door. I'll, I'll kick myself in. So hearing that kind of thing made me think, do I really want to work for this lender? And I'm glad to say the lender is now uh, banned from practicing a lender by the regulator. Yes. And yep. the regulator is the Financial Conduct Authority. Good, good. Because that's, I suppose that's a real worry, isn't it? When we when we talk about kind of debt advice and, and talk about things like finances, I always kind of worry, even when if I'm kind of looking at my bank account or uh, linking things to my bank account, I just worry, is it ethical? Is, is someone out there trying to do something? Or Yeah, that's always a big worry, isn't it? So it's no, good. I totally agree. So uh, you've got your own amazing podcast. Tell us what it's called. The name of the podcast is Debt Talk Podcast Excellent. in Terms of Cost of Living Crisis. Brilliant. And it's a really valuable resource. Um, sorry, this is going to be a little bit embarrassing, but what we normally do, just to ease in to uh, our very serious chat that we're going to have, uh, we normally have um, a little bit where we start talking about things that we have done well in our lives. Sarah, you've been quite quite quiet. <laughs> well, I'm in the presence of two doctors, so I've got inferior complex right now. Look, well, you don't just forget that I'm a doctor because I don't, you know... It's you not... don't ever mention it. Okay. Um, so my do-dos, my do-more-of yeah. is um, looking up this week. Hmm? Looking so, up? Looking up because um, 
I know I tend to say hippie things. Yeah. And this is really hippie. <laughs> Here we go. But I love the change of the colours of the leaves of the trees and I find it quite grounding. And I have a habit, um, and maybe many of us do, that when we're walking along, we look directly in front of us like we should look where we're going or driving. But just remembering to also look up and just soak up the beauty of nature at the moment. So that's what I've been doing more of this week, Paul. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, so not not whilst driving, just to make that very clear. Whilst being a passenger. <laughs> okay, fine. Whilst driving. Good, good, good. Uh, do you would you like to go next or do you want me to go next it's up to you yeah i could go next in terms of go things I, I like to do more of is that right yes. yes yes i love to do more of is pretty much filmmaking i love filmmaking these days i think that's what i developed since the pandemic is making lots of youtube videos and editing videos and script writing so that's what i've been doing in fact that's why I have another blog called Brighton and Hope, a city for all.com. So please oh. check it out. Excellent. Excellent. Good stuff. Fantastic. And so my thing uh, that I've been, uh, that uh, my, my do-do is that um, I'm a camper. Tell me more. <laughs> not, not camper. Well, I possibly am camper, but I am a camper. I, this is fantastic so this, news. I went to Italy and I went to, what are they called? They're not tents. What are those other things? Mobile home. No, what are they called? Yurt? Teepee? No. A caravan. Caravan is not camping. <laughs> it is. It's caravanning. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm a caravanner. But um, I would I would thoroughly recommend it. It was just really nice being with lots of different people and just uh, kind of mucking in. And yeah, I, I like it. It's especially camping. No, caravanning. Yeah, good. So let's get on to it. So today we're going to be talking about some sensitive subjects and we're thinking about poverty and the cost of living crisis and it's going to be really good to hear from Rip on today um, to tell us a bit more about that and to also go on and think about actually supporting listeners with some tips around their own lives but also those that they might be working with and um, families and individuals as well. Yeah but I, but I think it's really important that we say from the start as well that you know poverty isn't as much as we can get um, MPs for example saying that you can live, live off you know you can get a two kilogram bag of oats for 70p or whatever it might be. Poverty isn't just an individual choice in fact actually research will talk about that. It's mainly around social policy, it's around things, it's linked to inequality when we start talking about uh, ethnicized uh, minorities. So we can kind of give you these hints and tips um, and these ways of working, but it's within policy, isn't it? And it's within um, those policy choices, whether they be kind of the effects of austerity or ideologies like neoliberalism, all of those kind of things that surround us. But hopefully what we're going to do today is we're kind of going to get you moving in the right direction. I think that's what's important. Um, secondly, well, another thing that I wanted to say is that, um, and hopefully you'll be able to kind of say a bit more about this, Rivon, is that um, it's quite hard to be good with money. Sometimes we're told that that's what we should be. We should all be really, really good with money. But actually, it takes a lot of knowledge. It takes some luck. It takes being on it all the time. And lots of people from different walks of life have lots of different struggles, I guess, with managing their money and their bills. And I guess one of the narratives that I've been struggling with recently is, um, and particularly in light of the new prime minister, which I remember that he had said was around the narrative of if we all, you just need to work, if we all work hard enough or just working harder. And I think that that sits quite uncomfortable with me, that this sense of that if we just keep working harder, then we won't be living in poverty or that we won't experience difficult finances 
And I just think that's quite an unhelpful narrative because there are people that are working very, very hard and are experiencing the effects of the cost of living crisis. And all it does is kind of really put shame on people, doesn't it, at the end of the day? And there, and we don't, this is a known shame, no shame zone for us. Mm. So just kind of get rid of that shame, shrug it off, shake it off, do a but, Taylor Swift. But it's, no, but it's also really real, the concept of shame. And yeah. I was listening to um, Ripon, I don't know if you are familiar with the Joseph Roundtree Foundation. And I was listening to one of uh, the podcasts there, Is Anyone Listening? And they were talking about the concept of shame and actually what it means for people living in poverty, that shame is a very real experience. And that concept of, you know, sending children to school, for example, in shoes that uh, aren't fitting correctly or, or school uniform or children that are relying on school dinners, free school meals, for example, and actually the impact not only of poverty itself on the physical aspects, but actually what that means for people's internal worlds, that living with shame is actually very real. In terms of people that come and see you, um, has that kind of changed? Is it, is it quite a diverse group or what are you seeing at the moment? And, and do you think we talk about money enough? I think we talk about ways to manage money. And I think Martin Lewis is a fantastic example of doing that. Mm. And he's he a god. Himself has also confessed he is a god, and he yeah. himself also confessed that there's nothing else he can do because it's well, it's no longer within his control. Really, it's beyond his control. And you mentioned Paul around public policy is battling with other policies, I guess, mm. because when I started giving that advice, I pretty much started just when I suppose the impact of the financial crisis of 2008 was kicking in. So I was seeing at first, it was more about those who weren't able to pay their mortgages. And I remember this one classic case, a banker who, I mean, believe me, I'm usually known for being anti-bankers. However, (laughs) when you have a banker or former banker who lost her job Mm. and, uh, she refused to admit to me that she's actually selling herself on the side to pay her mortgage and I have to respond to her and help her out. But you can also understand a woman who used to be a banker, high Mm. flyer, lost Mm. her job and very, very middle class and knows her right. But her problem is because because she lost this high income now and also unemployed, the impact is whole personal situation literally collapsed. So the lender, mortgage lender is saying, give us the money. Otherwise, we're taking you to court. But what she needed at the time, apart from looking at all the debt options, she wanted the lender to act reasonably. And the lender at that time wasn't acting reasonably. So how do we show wood from trees? And this is when we had to make a complaint against the lender to the the financial ombudsman services. And we were successful at it because, Mm. yes, if someone is struggling, you have to listen to the struggle, not act like, if you remember, my payday lender who I work with, and that mortgage lender was acting very much similar to, similar to the payday lender. So mm. that's what it is, really. It's about lenders, either mortgage lenders or payday lender or standard banks. They have to respond to the need of individuals who are struggling and I think that's what it is really I think the way things are going now when it comes to consumer lending Mm. banks 
uh, and all those things are okay. They're regulated quite well. But what we're seeing now is slightly different ones. Debt advisors throughout the country will tell you that we are seeing rent arrears, council tax arrears. We're mm. seeing, of course, we're talking about fuel crisis. We're mm. also seeing debts related to gas and electricity. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the fuel crisis, so, I mean, um, can you kind of explain what that's about a bit? A bit, because we kind of get conflicting messages, don't we? That 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 it's all about uh, the the war in uh, in Ukraine. Um, it's all about uh, Putin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, I mean, is is that is that the reason why our our, our bills are going up? I mean, it, when you, if you look at it, basic economics, mm. economic when you look, when you understand economics, it's pretty much about supply and demand. Right now, okay. the regulations can play a part to create a setting, whether you know competition um, thrives or not. So when it comes to problem with supplies, we had that problem before um, the war that we have in Ukraine. But okay. what the Ukraine war has done, it worsened things because going back to supply and demand, mm. there is more need for it because Russia isn't providing, Ukraine isn't providing, and the fuel supplier, fuel, there is more demand for fuel suppliers within a global market, regardless of what's happening in Ukraine, impacts globally, and therefore UK is part of the global market and that is where we are seeing the problem i'm afraid regardless of the war mm. the need is greater we're all scrambling for what is there therefore supplies provide more and in the meantime um ofgem the the regulator of fuels and mm. its ceo confessed he said that we failed because we did not regulate the fuel market properly. And that, okay. is, that is why in the last 12 months, you had at least 30 fuel suppliers going bust. And ours is one of them. I guess I was just going to reflect, just just re- very much reflect on kind of the fuel poverty that people are experiencing and that we know that it impacts on people's health mm. and well-being, and that as uncomfortable and unpleasant it is to say but winter deaths increase and people not being able to heat their homes is a contribution to, to that so is it about heat and heat and eat and and are people having to make that choice i guess we uh, no, no i agree i mean whether to eat heat or even pay your rent that question has been around since welfare reform began and so we're talking about since 2012 but what we're seeing now is the intensity of it and i think the moment you have a situation where let's say for example um cost of pasta has gone up by 60 percent cost of sunflower oil got gone gone up by 65 percent we have to think about whether to heat or eat but for me i'm afraid we have to put the priority first. If you can't eat, you can't afford to work. You can't yeah. afford to get your earning to pay your rent. And if you're unwell, then you can't actually dedicate any time to do anything, even if it is kind of, and you become more socially isolated, all of that kind of stuff. So it's a, it is kind of a spiral. Well, and going back to um, you know the point I said around how it affects people's health. And again, if you're not eating or you're not getting the right nutrition, then you're going to get ill health from that. Mm. You're going to need... To potentially access health appointments or medical appointments yet people can't there's reports people can't afford the transport 
across town or to get on a bus. So therefore, as you said, that kind of accumulation of of the impact is is real. And in terms of food then, so why are we seeing every time you go to the supermarket now, it costs more to buy stuff? Why why is that? Is that to do with the fuel as well? I mean, it's not necessarily fuel. We're in a situation where transportation of product have been impacted and also finding products are quite difficult okay so inevitably going back to the supply and demand theory because there are a few things are out there and those few things take longer to import to the UK and do bear in mind for example pasta we talk about pasta actually comes from you know if, if made out of Durham wheat yes we made in mainland Europe yeah. to get it from mainland Europe you have to pay tax due to Brexit and if you're <gasps> talking about sunflower oil you mentioned the B well, word yes <laughs> yes and when it comes to sunflower oil clearly yeah. sunflower oil by the way it comes from Ukraine and places similar now mm. again they're not harvesting enough they're not exporting enough going back to supply and demand theory mm. we have a problem mm. here and fortunately since the industrial revolution Britain doesn't really create locally like what you have in Italy and Spain in Italy and Spain yeah. you know they've got tons of olive oil in Italy they've got tons of olive oil they've got tons of pasta because they make it locally vegetables are also produced locally we don't have that culture in Britain it has been transformed since the industrial revolution is there anything that we do make locally Liz Truss's famous um, speech she was saying that we make um, it was Port markets, I know they're in China. What did we, what's she saying that we make locally? Oh, cheese, and we make more tea than there is in China. Anyway, I'm sure we do make things lo- locally, but I suppose it's about what you know. Do, are we exporting, importing, all of those things? It, it just sounds really complicated, doesn't it? It is very complicated. <laughs> and I suppose what, what you're kind of saying is, I don't want to be negative, but it's it's it doesn't it's not looking good, is it? And then we have something like the mini budget. I know that that's done things like put put the cost of inflation up and it's put mortgages up, can then put rent up. Am I right in presume, assuming that? Is that correct? Well, I mean, the rent uh, the rent is has been going up for decades. Uh, okay. I think Brighton Hove is probably one of, the, one of the most expensive places to live in Britain. Don't we know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing things keep aspiring out of control. Going back to what we are talking about at the beginning, you know, they are policy choices is what we're talking about here. Different ideologies that have created the system that we're in at the moment. Although it is kind of doom and gloom, again, it's not about saying to the individuals, this is your fault. You need to go buy that that bag of oats for 70p and and just survive on it or whatever it might be you can make a meal for 12p for 70 people or whatever we've got to always remember the context that actually you're not alone and i think that's really really important for for most people so all of this stuff is happening what does that mean on the ground what does it mean so so now that i'm a fellow i'm a little bit removed from um practice It'd be really interesting to find out what how is that actually affecting people. I think there's um, a, a, an increase in demand in in services in terms of kind of the local area. I think there's been uh, reports of people joining food banks has gone up by kind of like seventy seven percent. I don't don't necessarily quote me on that. It's a lot. It's a high number of people that are now signing up for food banks. Um, in terms of kind of what we t- call period poverty, there's loads more women that are coming forward in terms of needing sanitary protection. And also just, you know, in terms of thinking about some of the most vulnerable members of of our uh, communities that we live in, you know, people are also, for example, are finding it harder to separate from relationships because of actually to to separate from a relationship, you're then having to fund, you know, your finances change. And actually the barriers then, for example, people that are experiencing domestic abuse. 
use, that's even harder. That's creating an additional barrier for people to separate from really dangerous situations because they're, the kind of cost of living is creating an extra barrier for those situations. And, you know, another example is for older people, my understanding is because of the, co- the rents are increasing, then nursing home fees are increasing. And therefore, if we've got family members, you know, there's reports of kind of older people aren't receiving the care that they're supposed to receive because they may be being abused by family members who are denying them that additional extra care that they might need or to be entering into a nursing home because uh, their inheritance, for example, dwindling. And so some of these are kind of really real life challenges that are impacting some of the most vulnerable people. And what's your experience, uh, Ripon, in terms of people coming to, to you? And Yeah, I mean, there are, there's several, really, when it comes to um, the impact of cost of living upon, if you want to say, couples, mm. lawyers will tell you due to financial strain, divorce lawyers are getting more cases where individuals are saying, I've had enough of spending time with the other one. I want separation. And believe it or not, when there is financial tension that actually leads to a great deal of conflict and Mm -hmm. from experience also uh, abuse that we talk about either economic abuse or domestic abuse at many levels it gets triggered by financial strain Mm -hmm. Um, because you know there's there's not much there and you can't Mm -hmm. buy certain things and if your child constantly says I want this I want this I want this and you can't inevitably there'll be tension so lawyers have been saying that there's been a rise in number of uh, couples who are seeking uh, divorce petitions so that's one thing and I would urge you to listen to my last podcast where I talked precisely about that Mm. on Detto podcast Um, Mm. but you're right um, Sarah when it comes to um, when it comes to um, food banks you're the number of people who are going to food banks have quadrupled since and many essential things food banks cannot offer and in my local food bank they're saying we have run out of x y and z basic toiletries we need more of those can you please help but also the reason they're saying that is because before people like myself we used to be generous and i'll go to tesco probably mm, buy yes. i don't know two packets yeah, yeah. of pa- uh, pasta now i'm thinking hang on a sec my income might be dwindling soon cost yeah. of things are going up i need to save up rather than yeah. be generous and give it to the food banks and that's what's actually happening as we speak but on a professional capacity what i'm seeing or and also going to see more frustrated clients don't forget debt advice i suppose is very much like social work it's a regulated mm. activity financial mm. conduct authority regulates my work so mm. obviously my job my advice is very prescriptive in the sense of the regulator we say this is how this is how you deliver your advice but the problem is i'm dealing with those who have no money so yeah. the regulation is the same for me, who's a debt advisor, compared to, compared to, let's say, a financial planner. But the issue is my clients are having problems not paying their bills. So what I'm seeing and have seen is that more frustrated clients, clients whose mental health had deteriorated, although the way I work is very prescriptive, I may not necessarily help everyone because there's constant deficit budget. Being a debt advisor, my bread and butter is to look at people's income, look at people's expenses and see what debt is priority, 
what debt is non-priority and the options that are available to them based on their personal situation. But if mm. I'm seeing constantly deficit budget, deficit budget, and but not offer major options, clients will be frustrated, feeling angry. But of course, mm. there is no one size fits all. There are so many options available. But on the whole, what I'm seeing is angry and frustrated clients. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was just going to kind of reflect on something you said, Ripon, around, you know, the people that are coming to you and people and, and what you said around the people who are donating to food banks or actually finding themselves that they're unable to donate to food banks because they're having to manage their own budgeting. And it's something about the kind of cost of living crisis or poverty, that poverty has very much been a kind of othering issue. So society has looked at those in poverty, that it's those over there, not us. And actually what's happening now as an impact of the cost of living crisis is that people are now, there's more people that are accessing food banks, as we said, and actually it's less of an othering issue, but more of a kind of actually a society, it feels collectively that we're experiencing this. And I know that there's a real still a real clear divide in terms of uh, economic wealth and those in poverty. But, you know, just thinking about the work of um, social workers and, and the families and the individuals that they support, those staff themselves will be also experiencing yeah. financial stresses and strains. I suppose what's coming out of it is that, you know, when we talk about money and when we... It's emotional, it's an emotive subject. It, it brings out all different types, whether that be shame, whether that be anger. And so in terms of us as social workers, what we look at, and, and you by the sounds of it, what we need to do, manage is not only the kind of practical stuff, but building some type of relationships where you can contain people's emotions, where you can help actually build some type of kind of relationship. It's understanding that there is emotions that are attached whenever we talk about things. So it's, it's about the way that we approach people as much as what we do. Absolutely. That's why from debt advice perspective, um, we, we, we go on training such as how to deal with difficult clients mm-hmm. or also um, advising on specific subjects in a sense of with certain cases, we will make sure clients are being seen by us where yeah. you have a support worker or a social yeah. worker. And that's got nothing to, let, let's say, that's that's nothing to do, not necessarily anything to do with the people we're seeing in terms of who they are. That's in terms of the way that people have to manage their own. So we're not blaming people for being aggressive or anything like that, saying these people are always going to be aggressive. What we're saying here really, really clearly is that it's a really tough time for people and that they, they may not be able to manage their, how, how they are. And well, that impacts upon us. Well, and people are scared and they're fearful and they're living with anxiety and and it's impacting people's mental health it is but also from my point of view mm-hmm. um the same client may have been to so many other services let's say one advice center after another advice center and another advice center so they moved around and now here they are in front of me and by the end of it they're tired because they're telling their stories several times mm-hmm. and, and even then if i tell them go to there and there and how does that resolve that person's problem i'm afraid that's what it is so really clients are and clients are frustrated because their problems are not being resolved they're being told constantly to go to this service and that service okay when will it end and do you think that's a reflection then of how potentially services and the and the kind of structure is is also feeling kind of helpless as to know how to help people i mean we can design a perfect structure and i believe in me a lot there are lots of 
consultants who do just that in terms of how to, in fact, I'm, I'm probably one of the consultants anyway, you know, to, mm. to deal with structures just like that. And it's literally get a blank sheet and start organizing planning to see how things work and then organize and then consult others and create a beautiful plan. If once you've created the plan and if things need tweaking, fine consult again there we are in the process you might get redundancy process and other things sad but that's how it is but in the meantime the reality is when it comes to delivery of service either debt or social work there needs to be consistent funding and when it comes to debt advice work citizen advice councils are shrinking the funding year on year and that's happening nationally so then what do you do you may have a perfect design but that design doesn't fit the reality of the situation because number of clients are coming through are so high there we are or you can offer debt advice but you can't offer benefit because debt advice and benefit advice goes hand in hand well what we do what we should be doing as social workers social work is always a political activity you know that's under the global definition of social work and I don't care what anyone says. I know that in terms of the McAllister review, sometimes it tries to make it into this very, you know, we, we do things in a technical way. But it is a political activity. And part of that political activity is not just helping the individuals, but also helping society and doing things like standing up against certain policies, whether that be in small ways or may, may that be in kind of larger ways in terms of protesting or whatever it might be. And there's there's. Uh, anti-poverty social work is a thing um, so looking at different anti-poverty social work sites I know that uh, the British Association of Social Work has um, anti-poverty kind of practice how you can get engaged in actually um, looking at how policy affects things because we have to be active in this don't we and you're right you and I, it, I mean no I agree I agree social uh, social social work is crucial in supporting communities when they're struggling and sad but Sarah I'm sure you agree with me as time went on social workers were forced to do more for less and you have Mm -hmm. a huge triage system uh, that tries to filter through all those things but ultimately we know that you have to do more for less and also you know you have to think about who is more needy than not you know Mm -hmm. those who are suffering are those who need the support but cannot get support and you yourself are trying to find ways to buck the client to someone else because you know there's mm-hmm. too much to do there's not time enough time or resource for you to do for mm-hmm. so many reasons and I think what we need to argue for ultimately is more funding but the reality is yeah. in the last 10 years councils funding have been dwindled by literally half yeah. yes we face it year after year yeah. Um, that, yeah, the re- reduction, you know, how we're going to uh, reduce services. And I think just reflecting what you said about social workers who are being expected to do more for less or work longer hours. And then actually that then becomes, unfortunately, the reality for many social workers who then potentially go on to leave the, the profession because they're overworking they're working evenings and weekends as well mm-hmm. and then what I've been around long enough uh probably you have as well Paul yeah. um to see the reorganization and the restructure or the re- a remodel of doing stuff and actually with the promise 
that it's going to be better. And of course, you know, very much believe in relationship based practice and making relationships with people. But actually, what happens for social workers is they want to do a good enough job. But there's more need there than there is resource. And and that's where however you design your model, if there's more need than there is resource, we can't. And we just get a new model every so, you know, every couple of years. Here's a new way of working. You just say, okay, yes, I'll go on the training course. I'll go and do that. And actually, what you're saying is we need to fund communities better. We need to fund services better. We need to actually make sure that I think it's something like one third of children in the UK are in poverty. We need to. Those are the things that we need to be addressing. It's not just efficiency, how we use money and all of that kind of stuff, which is code for slashing budgets. Mm. But it's also about sufficiency. It's about how much we put in there. And also the kind of putting it down to the individual responsibility, which for I'm using the example of there was something about buying a new kettle, a new energy efficient <laughs> kettle. And I don't yeah. you know, disagree that we need to all be looking at how we're being efficient with our energy use. But it's, again, making it kind of responsible on the individual that if you get a new kettle, then that's your, that's your problem solved. And actually, it's as we've gone back to from the start, mm. it's about the policies yeah. uh, that are put in place. Mm. Um, I would say there is no one size fits all. When it comes to debt advice and seeking help to come out of your debt problems or problem debt, it is important not to leave unopened letters for months on end. Mm. And I know for a fact there are many who, when life takes a a different turn or a wrong turn, that you refuse to open your letters. Mm. And the moment you do that, you realise that you, you are kind of avoiding the situation. Now, there is no one size fits all. Once you accept that you are in debt and you need help, that is really the best step for you to come out of debt. Because once letters are open, you're prepared to seek advice and confess to someone else that you're struggling. It Mm. is actually a way to coming out because on average, it takes people in the past anyway, now data isn't out, uh, out to clarify in the past it took people two years to accept that they are in debt but that's prior to the pandemic but now it's it has worsened once you accept your debt and once you go to a local citizen advice bureau and confess and that is pretty much a way to come out of debt and in the process you can actually get other help like benefit advice because you might be entitled to universal credit you might Mm -hmm. be entitled to grants from local council discretionary housing payment if your rent isn't covered you can get um support from your um fuel supplier because the fuel supplier has to listen to you and to your needs and they can also write up the debt if they want to or reduce what you're paying based on your situation but you have to ask for it yeah okay so it's a so and it's interesting that you use the word confess because it is i suppose it feels like a confession but Actually, if we're talking about this is a, a phenomenon that more and more people are experiencing, it's a kind of confession, it's, it's, it's a, an admittance that actually it's fine to look. We need to talk, get better at talking about it and we need to talk about it a little bit sooner than we are. And that's partly why I decided to do a podcast called Debt Talk Podcast. Yeah. Because uh, people normally don't want to talk about it, mm. but I know they're struggling. And... Uh, and also, I wanted to show what what is like from debt advisor's perspective. Yeah. And uh, it's frustrating for me 
that sometimes I can help, sometimes I can't. But mm. if I take it out there, like what you guys are doing, it make it easier to have that conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. So let's go some, through some practical stuff. So, what in terms of tips and what's going to be helpful and exactly. supportive yeah, to people? I think that'd be really useful. Thank Is you. that right? Yeah, I yeah. agree. Let's let's can we do not, that. Can we not number the tips this time? <laughs> oh, well, like, like, like we did last time. I won't count how many tips yeah. we're. We tried to do that last time, but we just got a little bit lost. <laughs> we ended up creating so many tips, but let's see how we go on today. And I promise I won't start counting okay. them. Okay. Yeah, Ripon, uh, you were talking about actually when people are really, really struggling, what that where they should go and and what they should do. And when by by the way, let's just say we're not just talking about people we're working with. We're talking about social workers. We're talking about social work students. So when people are um, kind of struggling, what, what what should they do? What's what are the first things they should do? When it comes to when people are struggling, first thing to do is not to bottle things and okay. start admitting that they're struggling. Do you remember when I first started, um, I said, um, mm. once you start opening your letters, it's a bit like unfolding your story. This is the way to come out of your struggle. And then it's all about where can I go and seek help? So best way to do that is by talking to others, either yeah. with a friend, or anyone else who you know, and hopefully from then on, you can find a debt-free path. But since we are talking about cost of living, mm. if you haven't, if you are affected by a disability and you're mm. getting disability benefit, mm. you should be getting a £150 top-up um, in winter to support mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. If you are even receipt of winter fuel payment or if you haven't you should be receiving winter fuel payment if you're a pensioner if not contact dwp and and is there kind of any other scheme so i know they've got things like um help to save um the help to save scheme as well for people on universal credit so you can kind of put some money away is that that's correct isn't it so, so is that helpful or not you could uh, you, you could try all sorts of means as well as contacting your local council because councils have number of pots where they can help you. In fact, they themselves have welfare benefit team, as you know, Sarah. Yeah. Um, and also they should be able to do a thorough benefit check to see if you're getting the right thing or not. So yes, it's time to approach who you can to get this help. In the meantime, your bill should be reduced by £400 anyway. Every single household will receive £400. That means it will go straight to your um, account and hopefully that that should help a bit. Um, and some local authorities are doing, um, and I know it, you know it probably depends on a bit of a postcode lottery, but there is the warm home check. So there are schemes where you can kind of get support around people saying what else you could do with your home, but also potentially some grants yeah. um, to make some amendments to your home. There's breathing space as well. So if, if it's um, affecting your mental health and you have a diagnosis for that, then there is a breathing, breathing space and uh, set up by the government and they kind of put a pause on things for a certain amount of certain period of time let me speak a brief briefly on breathing space yeah Um, sure there there are two types of breathing space okay if you if you are if you're diagnosed with let's say mental health problems Mm. and you've got a 
got a verification from a social worker or a mental health practitioner mm. then you uh, then you can have a breathing space for oh, I suppose indefinitely plus two more months and um, that's only if you have if you're undergoing mental health treatment so you need okay. evidence to show that and uh, there's, there's another one whereby it's a standard uh, breathing space where only a death advisor can help you with. You have to go and seek death advice for that. And death advisor will assess you to see a breathing space, which is a temporary measure. Okay. And then in terms of things like uh, benefits as well, I'm sure lots of people aren't claiming the benefits. In fact, I know that lots of people don't claim the benefits that they are due. So um, where where would they go for that advice? Is it the Citizens Advice Bureau? Is that uh, is that correct? Really does depend upon as Sarah said, a, a lottery. Really, if you have a yeah. citizen advice near you, great. If not, there may be other community centres where you might have a benefit advisor. So it's pretty much depends on what there is really. So it's about googling. However, if you were kind of well equipped and you think you can do it yourself, just to find out what forms of benefit you might be entitled to, then you may want to go online, check turntous.com or .org, turn to us. Mm. It's an online kind of platform, really, that will help you based on your situation to see if you're entitled to any forms of grant or any forms of benefit that you may have missed and you may want to apply to maximise your income. That's amazing. Okay. That's really useful. Really useful. And then thinking about things, so if you are in debt or in terms of you can't pay your mortgage or you can't pay your rent or, you know, should we people be going to the same place? Should we do- First point, when it comes to, uh, although rent, not, if you don't pay your rent, if you don't pay a mortgage, obviously the ultimate sanction we all know is that you may end up being possessed or re, uh, you may face the possession or repossession. Mm. And mm. So the risk of loss of home. But when it comes to, let's say, a mortgage lender, the regulator of mortgage lender will say, before you contemplate in seeking possession, treat them fairly and and based on their situation. So it's all about looking at the situation to see the product that buyer bought, if it's not suitable, is there anything else you can explore? So, so there is a burden on the lender to revisit the agreement, the mortgage agreement, to see if there are any other options that are available. But you'd only get that if you're in touch with the mortgage lender so talk to the lender and of course okay. talk to your landlord and remember that there are people too as well and also if you, if you get someone that on the phone especially for these big kind of corporations as well that uh, don't seem to be listening to you just uh, put down, down the phone and then phone up again because you probably won't get the same person <laughs> that's my is, advice <laughs> is that top tip number 10 <laughs> yeah i guess so Thank you very much, Ripon, for coming on today and talking to us and sharing all of your really valuable knowledge um, and insight, because I think that's going to be incredibly helpful. It has been for me and and I'm sure it will be for the listeners and the people that they're working with as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, honestly. So for the listeners, let's think about what we just talked about and relate it back to social work. So we've been talking about communities we've been talking about community-based social work knowing what's within the community so we talk about community-based social work we talk about relationships relationship-based practice we've been talking about social work and actual anti-poverty practice so developing those skills um, affecting change on individual levels um, but also on societal levels making sure that we are political and we're talking about advocacy-based practice as well that's a key part here isn't it 
And that can be at the kind of family level or it can be kind of a, a, a larger level, um, getting groups of people together. I, and I think that's all very important what you're saying. I guess what we also know is that poverty does impact on people's mental health, yes. which uh, people then may uh, may be more likely to substance, use substances to relieve that mental health. Yeah. And then that increases kind of potentially neglect of children. You know, and I'm, I know this sounds really uncomfortable, but it, this is the real life stuff that social workers are dealing with on a day-to-day basis is the that's the impact of of poverty and it feels quite depressing I think to say yeah and and we know that it affects health there's this thing called the social gradient so Paul Bywaters um, et al they kind of talked about it a few years back so poverty affects health we know that it affects cognitive social behavioral development it affects social capital so things like having adequate housing access to education community resources and symbolic capital so i'm talking about Badir. i can't even You've say gone, his name you have gone very academic yeah, me. i know i can't say his name we talked about kind of capital before didn't we but symbolic capital is talking about we're talking about kind of stigmatization microaggressions we're basically we're talking about cycles of poverty here and we're talking about cycles and we're talking about as i said before the social gradient the fact that when we start looking at how poverty affects health and inequalities that there are going to be links um, there. Can I just um, also say, this is a great quote by uh, Morris, and I think we, it's something that we should maybe think about all the time, is that they say that uh, poverty is the wallpaper of practice. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like listening to that, yes. knowing that that's something you've asked me to think about all the time. <laughs> Could you just repeat it? Sorry. Okay, yes. So poverty is the wallpaper of practice. Okay, so there's wallpaper practice. So the idea is that it's too big to tackle. Yes. Okay, uh, but it's too familiar to notice. So it's around. Mm. We see it. We kind of know that it's there, but it just kind of blends. So we don't really see it. But also... Or we become so familiar and comfortable exactly, with it in some ways. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So poverty underlines social work practice to its core, whether you're working in adults, children. Okay. We've depressed everyone. Okay, well, let's let's try and end on a positive note. Okay. Well, I think today's been quite difficult or <laughs> challenging. I think really I just kind of le- acknowledge that with you, Paul, because we try to make our podcast informative Up and hey oh, like, Here we go. <laughs> conversational whilst addressing some really difficult subjects. And I think today we it has been quite serious. I think it has been quite serious, but it's also just a reminder that this is something that we're all in together. And actually, what this is all about is talking about these things. So we're actually doing a good thing by talking. You, the listener, will be doing a good thing by actually making sure that you start talking about these things. That is a key part, as Ripon says, a key part to making change. Let's talk. And thank you ever so much for our listeners once again. And we appreciate um, all of your feedback that we receive. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Until next time, Paul. Until next time. Can't wait. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.